who are you going to hear from anyone else but me about having fun on a site like LinkedIn? It should be fun, but it's around the business conversation. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner Khan. Today on episode 619 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with J.D. Gershbein, LinkedIn consultant and personal brand strategist. Since 2006, J.D. has been at the forefront of the social media conversation. One of the world's first independent LinkedIn consultants, J.D. pioneered a model of authentic business communication that serves ambitious professionals striving to make their mark in the digital age. Stay with us to hear all the details. However you are striving to make your mark, having the right support is part of the journey to get there. That's why we created the Smashing the Plateau community. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll experience the camaraderie of supportive, collaborative colleagues. You'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com slash community. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash community. Now let's welcome J.D. Gershbein. Since 2006, J.D. has been at the forefront of the social media conversation. One of the world's first independent LinkedIn consultants, J.D. pioneered a model of authentic business communication that serves ambitious professionals striving to make their mark in the digital age. As a speaker, facilitator, writer, and media producer, he draws upon his diverse academic background, a fusion of psychology, neuroscience, and the humanities, and the improvisation skills he honed at Chicago's famed Second City to bridge the knowledge gap that exists between professionals and the virtual world. J.D., welcome to the show. David, a pleasure to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. J.D., what is a virtual stylist? Well, it's this concept that I have been conceiving of for a while that I finally decided its release point was ready. And I think we've all maneuvered around the virtual world, certainly within the pandemic, with no notion or some or sense of, of how we want to move forward. And having a style and uh, an expression, a mode, an outflow, an outreach, this is the way we basically show up in the virtual world, David. And how is it different in the virtual world as compared to the physical world? Well, I think we've lost a little bit of our edge in the physical world. I, I think it's muscle memory, of course. I mean, when, when humans meet humans, we know what to do. Uh, some of the rituals of meeting them have changed. The handshake uh, may be no longer in vogue. The The elbow bump may be coming back in. But, uh, you know, certainly the way that we present ourselves, what we project in the physical world, we can see we have we have mannerisms, we have gestures, we hear the voice, we don't have to go through a device, there's no filtration. Uh, in the virtual world, we're in front of a webcam, we're in front of a microphone. Uh, some people do things that self-sabotage their, their appearance or their performance, but still, we as humans need to rise above the medium and project ourselves in a very authoritative way, certainly for business purposes, and be taken on our face value. So, for example, you know, our audience is heavy on independent consultants. 
are there things that consultants should keep in mind when they are primarily interacting with other business folks in the virtual world? I believe so. Consultants are advisors and they would aspire to become trusted advisors. And that's not something they can self-declare. The, the title or status of trusted advisor is something that's anointed, earned, and deserved. And the way that advisors or consultants comport themselves on the virtual platform, it's easily noticeable. I've been working with individuals uh, on how to convey trust and integrity on, a, on the virtual media. It's challenging. It's a skill that uh, it needs to be honed. How is it different trying to engender trust virtually versus in person? Well, the hardest thing, as I'm on record as saying, David, is to engender trust off an internet page. And since 2006, I've been in that trench helping people prepare their, their best impression online, which is the uh, virtual equivalent of the best version of themselves. It's challenging. It's not easy. And a lot of folks uh, shoot themselves in the foot trying to do it. And because of all that's coming at us these days, we're with the attention economy, we're, we're in a world that's suppressing and compressing us and moving forward and cutting through the clutter. And many of these phrases you hear are just a stepping stone to get the message across. Yes, but that's how we're going to be perceived. And once we cross the perception threshold and people know who we are and they understand what we do, then we can move on to the the trusted advisor conversation. So, J.D., what have you seen people do that's wrong when it comes to trying to build the right kind of presence that will eventually, hopefully, lead to trust? Well, I'm not one of those consultants slash advisors that likes to harp on people's mistakes because I like to lead people down the right track. I'd, I'd rather be the, the guiding light than the, the voice of doom. But we have to have some understanding of the mistakes if we seek to correct them. And I just see people selling too soon, David. I think the internet has opened up uh, just a, a feeding frenzy of people who are trying to sell products, provide services, establish themselves as thought leaders. They're this, they're that, they're they're Amazon.com bestsellers, they're keynote speakers, they're top 50 thinkers, they're, they're this, they're that. I mean, it's, it's all about titles and status when on the, the reality is that the client doesn't really care. The client just wants to know, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Advisor, how can you take care of the problem I have? And are you the best fit to do so? Well said. Um, I couldn't agree more. I am bombarded with all this stuff every single day, all the time. Selling too soon is a, is a horrible problem and it, it's offensive, it's intrusive, and it's insulting. And, and it's annoying at this point. I mean, why must we wake up and see this stuff just slamming our inbox on a regular basis? What happened yeah. to relationship building, David? Hey, great question, JD. I, I'm also, <laughs> I'm struck by something else you mentioned, which is people getting themselves on like the top 50 list or um, an Amazon bestseller for somebody who is who is publishing a book. There's a lot of effort that goes into creating those titles. And I notice people who I think very highly of, I know they do good work, mm -hmm. who use those titles wherever they can. And um, I'm wondering now that you mentioned, I'm wondering whether they really need to. And here's the key. That's, that's the pattern that we're mimicking right now because the tendency and the temptation is to talk about ourselves and show folks how cool we are. And everything comes out of the first person. I, me, my. And in fact, the people you wish to serve don't care 
I'm sorry to say the reality is they don't care. So it's up to each of us to reverse engineer our pitch, so to speak, and talk about why we are aligned with our client's pain, why we are the best person for the gig, why we should guest on this podcast. What did we do to earn this bestseller status? Uh, The clients don't care how many books we sell. The clients don't want to listen to the, the podcast. All they want to know is, can you keep me from making this problem I have any worse? Can you help my team, my organization, my business? So what advice do you have for how to start to build those relationships, how to be known as somebody or become known as someone who I might want to test out as somebody who I think I can trust? Well, one of the big paradigm shifts I've made, and truthfully, during the pandemic, we do have to offer that we're the historical marker of our taping. You know, we are we are mired in a pandemic that shows no signs of letting up anytime soon. And it's, it's again, it's rewriting the playbook on everything in business. But uh, one thing I've always tried to do is meet people from a place of service. And the other big piece is to stop thinking about my professional network as a cluster of thumbnails and job descriptions. These are human beings. And I've made the move from just classifying them as as professionals who inhabit my community, not just a network, but a community. And from the community, I try to seek my tribe. And I'm not interested in in the most people. I'm just interested in the best people. There's a lot of emphasis on influence and building numbers and followers and likes and comments and shares and engagement. And it's it's mind-numbing after a while, when in reality, what truthfully converts is one-on-one conversation where both parties are aligned. They understand what the other's needs and wants are. There's a sense of giving and altruism and humility and compassion and empathy. And that's where the buyer's journey should start. In your experience and and your work, particularly in your, your work helping people that have expertise in a discipline where they've gone from employee to independent consultant. Yes. What have you seen in terms of the amount of time that it might take to develop the kinds of relationships that will lead to a sustainable business? Because relationship building is not quick. Um, many people that have been mid to high level employees for for at least a couple decades have a different network than they might need to be successful as an independent consultant. So these relate like the relationship building can take time. At least that, that's what I've seen. I, I'd love to hear your take on this and, and how if one is still at a point where where he or she needs to be concerned about um, paying bills, how can you build a successful consulting business when, as we've just described, a lot of it depends on developing these really sincere relationships? That's true. And I, I, I understand that. And I've worked with many of, of a person who has come out of the corporate fold and wants to hang out a shingle as a consultant. And those are not new issues and those haven't those are not things that they haven't thought about. You are correct. Corporate people do not, and I'm using finger quotes here, network the way that independent consultants or entrepreneurs or business owners network. They're not interested in in building this this support system. They figure, well, I'm I'm t- being taken care of here. I've got funds being deposited into my account every two weeks. I'm going to go home. I'm going to come back to work the next day. And then they realize that they either can't come to work next day because they've been eliminated or they're being phased out or 
new corporate policies that will inhibit them, and they're looking for greener pastures. So becoming an independent consultant, I think it's a square one mindset. There's no way you're going to be an overnight success. You have to leverage the relationships you've built. You have to take stock of the people that you have met through middle management or vice president status or or C-level status, and you take those existing relationships and organically grow out from those. So truthfully, the key is, and the piece of advice I would offer anybody that is departing one, one position and moving into another is who are the relationships that truly serve you? And those who would who would have your back and introduce you and refer you and say, hey, I know this person from their years of corporate experience and service. He's worth a conversation. She's worth a conversation. Take time. So I'm here to say that there's no quick fix. There's no magic bullet. When I was speaking, I used to use the I used to put up a big slide of the tortoise and the hare because we all know who wins the race. And you are correct. It's a slow build. But you know what? That's the build we need now, because no matter how good you are, uh, no matter what kind of corporate pedigree you have, when you enter the consultant ring, it's a relationship business and you've got to develop that trust. Yeah. And you're right. You're right. You're at ground zero. Absolutely. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your own journey and your own career. I you know, I mentioned Second City in the introduction. I gather that, that there are some interesting twists and turns in your own career. I'd l- <laughs> love to hear a little more. Who, me? Yeah, who you? You mean I didn't start out to become a LinkedIn consultant when I was a young a, a young lad in the greater Chicago area? If you did, <laughs> that would be really interesting. You know, interestingly, David, the study of career arcs and trajectories right now is, is a huge piece of what I do because I'm, I'm meeting so many interesting people with business stories and outcomes that they could have never predicted. And when we look at the inflection points in all of our lives and what got us to where we are, who could have predicted any of this? I mean, if you would have told anybody 10 years before social media came on the scene that someday we would be able to have video conferences with people, get a decision to go forward on a business project, and that millions, if not billions of dollars would be exchanged online, what kind of response would you have had? You would have said, well, the old, the old school is that business is done face-to-face with a handshake, with eye contact, and all that. And a lot had to happen for me to have a career and to be even on a, on a podcast like yours. And I was a guy that, and I, I state the obvious, I, I've improvised my whole life. I, I had no plan for any of this. I, I was groomed to be a physician. That didn't pan out. It was dad's plan and not mine. And when I left medical school after 10 months, I was actually got into medical school and left. I was meandering around. I I didn't know what lay ahead for me. I was young enough. I had choices. I had creative outlets. I I had an idea that I could contribute. But again, I I didn't know where I I was heading. So I put my head back in school. I learned uh, industrial and and organizational psychology and got a master's there. And then I got a master's in business administration in marketing communications and hung out uh, my shingle as a marketer and really just kind of floated through. I did some some nice things, created some nice wins, but it wasn't until social media came out and I and the moment I sent my first email when I realized that there was something to this digital life and I wanted to be a part of it. And the way that I was hardwired, it appealed to my sensitivities right away. I was there. I look at my early adoption as the greatest transformational piece in my life because then I could put it together that we did exist in the online world and that there was something more to 
to doing business with face-to-face and, and eye contact and a handshake, and that we could talk about ourselves in a way that appealed to people and that, that they would honor it and they would do business with us. So it's a lot of trial and error, a lot of experimentation, a lot of time in the trenches, taking a few bullets. But you know what? Looking back, I answered a call of leadership and glad I did. What was the call of leadership? That I wanted to be a teacher and an educator in the space and, and made LinkedIn my own very early. When I declared myself as a LinkedIn specialist back in 2006, nobody was outsourcing me for the service I provide today. And, and I had to grow into the craft. Nowadays, LinkedIn profile writing and LinkedIn training for individuals and corporate teams, this is a hugely outsourced service, a great area for consulting. And it attracted a lot of people from other disciplines who thought, okay, I can do this. I created a LinkedIn profile for my uncle. Why don't I go see if I can do lunch and learns at Kraft Foods? And the opportunity is there. And right now we're seeing the cream has risen to the top and the true technicians are out there helping people maneuver in the online world. And for me, it's about creating virtual style for people. I've been somewhat stylized my whole life. I'm bringing my own personality, my own DNA. There are no experts in any of this. We are all in this together, trying to find our own personality, tolerance for risk, uh, ingenuity, creativity, design thinking approach, curiosity, all of that. What kinds of people do you work with? Who's your ideal client? Typically, the people who retain me are people who are in the eat-what-they-kill world. They are responsible for their online presence. They, they know they need to build a network, and they know they need uh, to develop relationships within that network. So they they bet on themselves to win, and they know they need to set up a great brand infrastructure, which we do on LinkedIn for them, and operate in a certain way on the site so as to, again, appeal to people and not to alienate them. Yeah. Can you share a little bit more about what happens when someone is maneuvering around the LinkedIn space in a way that is um, positive and uh, and makes sense for, for who they are and what they want to achieve? Certainly. Great question. And I'm, I'm staging it in my mind as we think. That's the improvisational mind at work right here. How am I going to answer a question like this? You know, there are so many folks who offer cookbook solutions or, or cookie cutter philosophies. And I'm training people now to just get on the site, let their eyes go into soft focus and just overlay critical thinking on the platform and just see what people are doing. And you don't need a number of YouTube tutorials or blogs to review to understand that the people who are doing it correctly, who are messaging well, who seem to be putting it together, they're the ones who are respectful, they're courteous, they are letting their leadership qualities flow through, their leadership, their empathy. That's how we're building trust. And they're just talking to people we humans tend to overthink everything, David. And <laughs> LinkedIn, like any social media platform, is just people talking to people. Sometimes it's one-on-one. Sometimes it's one-to-many. Sometimes it's many-to-one. And sometimes it's many-to-many. So there's four modes of outbound communication. But LinkedIn is just the medium. It provides the mainframe for all of this to occur. It's up to us to overlay our uh, our style on it and find our own mode of expression that makes us comfortable. And that's all I do. I'm just contributing to conversations, having a little fun with it. That's another thing. 
who are you going to hear uh, from anyone else but me about having fun on a site like LinkedIn? It should be fun, but it's around the business conversation. And if you're looking to build a consultancy or a book of business or uh, support the, the vision of your organization, you can't be that fun. It, it, there has to be some convention and formality around it. Yeah, that, that's true. But you can definitely have fun in business. We should at this point. My gosh, life's too short. I was just going to say life is too short. My gosh. We, and we've certainly been shown that for the last 22 months as we tape here today. That is for sure. JD, is there anything that you'd like to share that I haven't asked you before we close out? I'd like to thank you for uh, for angling in a very unique way here, David, and letting me tell my story from uh, from a point of view that uh, sometimes I don't share all that often. And when I get on podcasts like yours, I'm able to go off a little bit as to how I'm really feeling. I've always been the kind of guy that wears his thoughts and beliefs on his sleeve. Um, I wouldn't say I'm the most open book, but I'm I'm pretty transparent and. My goal and my hope is that people feel good about themselves in the online world, that it's not drudgery. It's really, uh, here's where we are. We are cast here. Let's make the best of it. And I want to assure them that there are folks like me that, uh, that operate in their best interest and want them to be good virtual communicators and get what they deserve. And consultants who are truly in the market of helping other people break through there are issues and solve problems and build high functioning teams that they're supported on a site like LinkedIn. LinkedIn has been built to help everyone. That is true. It um, seems to be a fairly collaborative space. I think so. I think we're learning that. Yeah. Uh, we're certainly seeing that more than ever now. And in the early stages of the pandemic, we saw people reaching out just in need of human connection. And those who who believe in that, who like to validate others and support others and give and pay it forward. That's that's where it's at right now. That's about as, as well-conceived a strategy as anything we have. It's uh, so well said, JD. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed or get in touch with you, access any resources that you have, where is the best place? LinkedIn is always the best place for me, David. I'm, I'm easily findable on LinkedIn. JD, no periods, Gershpine. And um, um, please connect with me. I'm happy to engage, answer a question related to LinkedIn here and there. And um, I try to lead by example. Have a look at what I do on the site. Check the activity log. I like to post regularly. I like to engage on posts. And I like to support people who really create valuable content. I know we didn't really talk about content marketing as much, but original content right now is our differentiators are our differentiators and how we parse ourselves out there on LinkedIn will have far-reaching implications in our ability to draw clients. Well said. JD, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and share your insights. My guest has been LinkedIn consultant and personal brand strategist, JD Gershbein. Thank you again, JD, for joining us. My pleasure, David. Thank you. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. On today's episode with J.D. Gershbein, we learned that when you are striving to make your mark, having the right support is part of the journey to get there. That's why we created the Smashing the Plateau community. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll experience the camaraderie of supportive collaborative colleagues. You'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, 
access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com slash community. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash community. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.